realize where our culture is right now. And, uh, you know, my, I had a pastor, my first pastor I served with, we spent some time talking about life and ministry and the call to our community and our culture. And, and um, he always told me that God calls tough people to tough situations. And what's amazing to me is that God could have chosen any time in the history of the world for us to live and serve him. And God has called us to this time. To, to this culture, that, that what we just watched is the prevailing idea that is growing and growing in the world we live in. That, that we live in a culture that is saying, you know, and that's just one issue, gender, and, and, and it, it blows my mind that, that I've seen the day of, a, of a, a guy I used to watch in the Olympics. I had the Wheaties box that with him on there, and, and, and then he received an award on ESPN for claiming that he's a woman, and everybody's like, oh, she is great. She's a he. She's not a, it's not a she. It's a he. And, and this is the world we're living in, these, these educated people. I mean, we're an educated world. That, that's a university campus, and, and, and here I am. Uh, we are called to serve the Lord in this kind of environment. We are called to send our children out into uh, institutions where that is the prevailing, um, the, the predominant wisdom. And, and I'll tell you, we, we, are, we are called to run into that. We're not called to pull out of that. We're not called to escape that. No, we're called to go and engage that and be, like Jesus said, we're the light of the world. We're, we're like a city that's on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the salt of the earth. We are called to be believers that walk with Jesus and live in such a way that we proclaim to a world that is moving further and further away from rationality to, to say, no, wait, there's a creator there is restoration, and, and we are not to check our brains at the door and just be uh, ignorant people that just say, well, we just believe what we believe. No, we, there's a reason for our faith. There's a reason that, 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 that God, we trust God's word. We, we have a hope that is living. We have a hope that is alive. The, the scripture points to us to the, 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 the spirit of God, and, and God's Holy Spirit is at work even in this place today. And like we just sang this incredible song, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And, and so for us, this, this is the world, this is the, the race God has called us to. And so we should, we should take our stand against the devil's schemes and not back up. You know, uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to engage the book of Psalms. And I'm so excited about it. I think it's important for us. I love the book of Psalms because when I read the book of Psalms, I find myself there. The book of Psalms is so incredible. Like Chad uh, mentioned that, that in the book of Psalms, you see this, this struggles of the human faith because in, in some Psalms, there'll be these praises of, look at what God has done. Look at how he has rescued then at the same time, there'll be psalms that will articulate this reality. God, I don't even know where you are. God, will you rescue me? You, you see this, this real honesty in the book of Psalms. Like, like in Psalm 77 is one of my favorites. This, this psalmist writes this, this incredibly honest 
uh, statements, these, these honest statements to God. He's in a very difficult place. And he says to God, have, have your promises failed for all time? You know, and, and I love the book of Psalms because I see myself there. I see my, my, my struggle with doubt sometimes. I see my, my, my wrestling with our culture and, and the times that I as a pastor sit down and go, God, what do we do? God, how do I send my children into that kind of world and not let them get just destroyed? But then I remind myself that the Spirit of God is powerful. God's given us power and and that we are able to overcome the world we live in. God is moving in us. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 1 like we've already done today, we, we, we've read it today. And what I want us to do as we study this psalm this morning is to look at it through the lens of the culture that we live in. Because folks, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm troubled at, at the rapid rate of decline that, that our world is in. I mean, it is amazing to me. And it points me and it helps me recognize that we are, we are rapidly on track to fulfill the scriptures, that there's a day that Jesus will return. And folks, we may get to see it, by golly. I mean, I mean if, if we might get to see the, the second coming of Christ, the time that God brings history to a conclusion. And, and if it's not us, what if it's our children? What if it's our grandchildren? What if it is our call to raise up the generation that will take a stand in the last days? What if we're the ones that are going to inspire them and teach them and motivate them and challenge them? What if, what if that's my grandchildren? Kelly, I want to do a good job. Kelly, I want to be faithful. I'm not, I don't have grandchildren, thankfully, right now. And, uh, but, 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 you know, I've heard that you love your grandchildren. You love it because you get to spoil them and then send them back home. It's awesome, they say. But I, I'm burdened at the call we have to walk with the Lord. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. It's a wise wise advice, wise insight. And, and, and you know, when I look at this psalm, it's a psalm of hope and promise. And, 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 and it's a psalm that when it comes to the culture of relativism, that's what you saw, everything is relative, that I can't tell you how to live. I mean, whatever you believe, you can believe. That's the prevailing winning argument in the world. And we are called during this time to stand up and say, wait, there is a different way. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. I mean, look at that. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers. First point today that I want us to see is that there is a right and a wrong way to live your life. And folks, we got to recognize that. We live in a culture that says, look, we can't say what's wrong. I can't say to you what's wrong. And it's not up to that, that young lady, bless, bless her heart. Uh, you know, she said, I can't. It's not up to me to tell another human what is right or wrong. Aren't you thankful that God has not been that way? And God has said, wait, there is a right and there is a wrong. Because he has. He's spoken that. 
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. There is a right way and a wrong way to live your life. There is a right way to treat your wife. There is a right right way to treat your husband. There is a right way to, to treat your parents and honor your parents. There is a right way to be an employee or a student. There is a wrong way to be an employee or being a student. And folks, we've got to recognize there is a right and a wrong. And without apology, God has gotten in our way and has given us wisdom like this, like Psalm 1 that says, hold on, time out. There's right and there's wrong. It's like, and, and it's interesting to me as I, as I think about our culture and all the voices coming our way. There was a commercial recently and I it's so, it was so funny to me, and it's so right. And I, don't even, I think it was advertising some kind of financial institution. And, and uh, this guy's alarm goes off, and he gets up, and, and all of a sudden there's like 10 people around him giving him advice, and they're all speaking at the same time. And he stumbles into the shower, and they follow him to the shower. And he's washing his hair, and they're standing outside the shower, all speaking at the same time, giving him advice, saying these things. And, and then he's walking to his car with his coffee, and all these voices are speaking to him. And, and it's some kind of challenge of get through the clutter and listen to this financial advice or whatever. But that's our world. We have voices coming at us 24-7 all the time saying, look, follow me, follow me, do what I say. And folks, this is a scary thought, but we are being influenced. Our children are being influenced. So can I challenge us today as we look at the right and wrong way to live is to evaluate your influencers. Who are your influencers? Who is it that is influencing you? What voices are you listening to? Because I think about these, these college kids that were interviewed, and I think about who is influencing them. Who is in their life that is pushing them to say, wait, 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 there is a right, there is a wrong. And, and I, I look at this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You know, when I read this psalm, I can't help but evaluate the, the influencers that I have in my life. I can't help but evaluate and think about who is it that's influencing our church, our children, you know, my children. It's interesting to me, and I, when I read the psalm, I also, I, you can't help but, but be aware of the progressiveness of sin. Now look at the progressiveness. Notice this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now that, that's a, you're walking along, and, and the, the wicked is counseling, the wicked is offering advice, and then, or stand in the way of sinners. As you're walking, there's a stop and standing. Stand in the way of sinners, and I'm listening to their way, paying attention to their way. And then you see a sit in the seat of mockers. You see this progressiveness that is unfolding here in this passage, and, and, and it's so smart, it's, it's so right. As you think about the progressiveness of sin, how, how as we are battling as believers, battling the way we live our lives, and, and we see this as we're tempted and, and we're walking along in our lives, and, 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 and as we're walking along, there's counsel coming our way, and it's so often wicked counsel. And then we, it catches our attention and we, and we stop and we stand in the way of these sinners. And then 
And then where sin is fun for a season, the Bible articulates and communicates that, that sin is enticing. And that's why uh, we're to throw it off and be aware. And, and then we end up sitting in the seat of mockers. And when I look at these words right here, they're not passive words. This, this whole walk, this whole stand or sit, these are active words. These are words that articulate, this is my choice, I'm doing this. And when you look at the, uh, the wicked, the, the, the sin, the mockers. These are not passive words. These are active words of, of I'm choosing to be wicked. I am choosing to, to go the path of sin, the sinful path. I'm choosing to mock God. I mean, think about the gender question in our culture, how that mocks God. How he care like Psalm 139 says, he carefully knit us, not like my three children when they were born, carefully knit them in, into their mother's womb. And God was faithful to carefully knit a male and a female. And yet here we live in a culture that that one of the two of the most famous gender people uh, in gender um, issues in our culture, the uh, the the guy in the military, I'm losing his name right now. That that was from Oklahoma, from Edmond, Oklahoma. He was just released from prison. Uh, what's his name? Chelsea Manning. Yeah, the Manning guy. He's a man, but our culture is saying no, it's a woman, it's her. And you have Bruce Jenner. Oh, she's a woman. No, it's a he. Think how that mocks God, what God created. And folks. Sin is progressive, and it's, it's not passive. And, 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 and when, I, when I think about this, and I think about the, the problems, even of sin in my own life, and the struggle with sin in my own life, I want to blame somebody else. I want to go, well, you know what? Uh, the reason I have that struggle is because my dad, or, or uh, you know, I've heard the husband say to me, the reason I'm struggling like this, my wife did this to me, or my husband did this to me. And, and so often we forget the activeness, the, these are not passive words. And, and when I think about my own struggle with sin, how I often choose it. I choose that path. When I notice and I, and I look at our culture, I look at my own struggles, I can't help but see and beware of the progressiveness of sin. Because what's the heart of every believer, every follower of Christ? It's not passive. The, the, the call that we have as believers, it's not to be passive, it's to be active. It's to, to turn our face to the Lord. It, it, it's a calling to, you know, we, we see in Psalm 1 this, this challenge with the Word of God. And when I think about our gift of the Holy Spirit that we've been given, that God's Spirit has come to us and it lives in us. And what does the Spirit of God do? He, he moves us constantly to turn our face to the Word of God. And, and, and we're to not just master the Word of God, but be mastered by the Lord. And that's who we are as believers. We are those that says, you are Lord of our lives. You are Lord of us. And we are mastered by Him. And, and, and when I read this psalm and I think about this path, to, this progressive path of sin, uh, I recognize that accepting responsibility for my sin, for my failure, that's the path to healing. 
that when I say, God, look, I've got to be active and turn my face to you and recognize the, 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 the path of sinners, the, the, the seed of mockers. Lord, I, I turn to you. Look at this. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, what does he do? He meditates day and night. We're, we're, we're meditating on the word of God. He, and what happens when this, when this active choice of God, I'm turning my face to you, I'm turning to follow you, well, what, what it produces, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And when I see this, I'm thinking, uh, we understand that when we follow Jesus and turn our face to his voice and we, in our own lives, go to the volume, the, the volume of voices that are coming our way and we turn down those voices that are not of the Lord and we turn up God's voice in our life, what happens to us? We are like a tree. A strong tree that's planted by the streams of water. Have you seen, a, seen one of those trees? I mean, I had a tree in my front yard in Oklahoma City, and it was an evergreen tree, and it was, a, it was doing great. And all of a sudden, I noticed one day at the top, it was brown. And then gradually, it just, over, over the year and a half, the whole thing died. I couldn't see it at first. I couldn't see why it was dying. I tried to put some nutrients down, but it was, it was on the inside of this tree, and, and, and it died. And, and people that would drive by my house would look at that evergreen tree and go, you know, it's not a good tree. It's a dead tree. But when you walk with Jesus, you see this. No, you're not like those trees. You're like a tree planted by a streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, it, it follows the plan, it, it follows the good path, and it's strong, and it, it weathers storms, it's, it's natural, and it's, it's healthy. Its leaf doesn't wither, whatever he does prospers. But you see the wicked path, they're, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. That's like just, you know, just blown away. None of us want to get to the end of our lives. You don't want to get to the end of your life. And all you have is chaff. See, the wicked, that's what they're like. I can't help but think about Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And when I look at our culture, I look at what we are sowing in our culture. I'm compelled to stand up and go, look, we've got to take a stand and engage that world. Don't yell at them. Engage them. Love them. Lead them. As followers, as, as believers, I believe we're supposed to be the best leaders this community ever sees. We're, we're to have integrity. We're to live our lives in front of people. We're to be the best teachers, the best, best business owners. We're to, we're to be the best students. We're to be the best athletes. Not saying we win all the time, but when we go out, we play well and we play with integrity. We're, we're to go out and, and conduct ourselves in a way that brings glory to the Lord because why? We are in the Word of God. We are meditating on the Word of God. 
I love this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. You know, when I look at the psalm, point number two today, you recognize that God provides daily guidance that's proven to work. And, and that's, it just does. God, God work. God, God's given us wisdom that is the right way to live and it's proven to work. I, I'm so... I'm so thankful for our student ministry. I have two, two, two students that are in our student ministry here at our church. And, and they, they, a couple weeks ago, they've been in this camp mode. And I haven't even seen them because they've been gone to camp as far as my children go. And, and uh, I'm so grateful because two, three weeks ago, they were at Super Summer. And one of, my, one of my professors at seminary, my doctoral work, he was the speaker at, Sem- at, at Super Summer. And, and he stood in front of our teenagers and challenged them to, to read the Word of God. There was a young lady there that, that had read all seven Harry Potter books and did that in like seven days. I mean, that's, that's, some, beef, that's some reading right there. She was focused. And, and he put, called her up on stage, and this girl was a, a, a reader, and he said, you know that, that in the first six Harry Potter books, there are more words in those six books than there are in the Bible. You read those in seven days. I want to challenge you to read the Bible in seven days. And this girl's like, all right, I'll do it. And I, bet, I, don't, I don't know who she is. She was from some other church. But you know what I've loved about our students? I've heard them over the last three weeks challenge one another. Look, we're going to read the Bible. They're challenging each other to read God's Word. Let's, let's, let's stop for a second. You know, the Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set the example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your faith, in your love, and your purity. And can we stop and learn from our teenagers for a minute? Maybe we've not been as serious with God's word as we need to be. When's the last time you've read through the Bible? Start today. You know, it says right here, um, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And you know, when when I look at that idea of delight, be in the world. It's, it's, it's more than just meditating. I mean, meditating is more than just reading. I want to say that. Reading the Word of God is, is where it starts. Wisdom does not come accidentally. We've got to know what the Bible says, and reading it will help you know what it says and not be accidental. We shouldn't be accidental disciples. No one is an accidental disciple. Read the Word. But it's bigger than just reading it. This, this week, I, uh, Thursday, I was on my way to the hospital and I almost ran out of gas. I looked at my, I just hadn't looked at my gas tank. If you ever, I mean, I'd get onto my wife and kids for doing that, but, but I did it. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, I got to get gas. And, and uh, I pulled on to Pine and, and 75 at the, at the Shamrock store there. And so I'm standing there and I'm getting gas and this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, can I, uh, can I detail your car while you're filling gas and earn some money? His name's Terrence. And I said, well, Terrence, no, but, but I'll tell you, if you'll stand here and talk to me, I'll give you something. I'm like, all right. So, so I said, I want to tell you about Jesus. And I started sharing the gospel with him while I'm getting gas. And, um, and, he, and Terrence, man, he, he just he laughed, he chuckled, he goes, oh, man. 
And, and he starts preaching. I mean, and he was good. It was really good. I was, he was homeless, and, and I, I stopped talking, and he went on, and I, man, he nailed the scripture. He got them right. And I was like, Terrence, high five, man, you got it. But he knew about it. But the breakdown in Terrence's life was he wasn't living it. It's like, Terrence, we got to move it, move past from, it's not just about being homeless, man. I mean, it was obvious Terrence was on drugs, and I'm the worst at this. I gave him 10 bucks, I think. So it's just, I prayed, Lord, when I prayed for Terrence, Lord, please don't let him buy anything he shouldn't. Help him buy food. I prayed that. I trusted God to do that. But, um, but you know, wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. And this is why we've got to not only just read the word, but learn to study it. That meditate is learning to study God's word. And this is something I pray we do. And, 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 and I want you to see today that, that wisdom of God, it develops when, when his word is, is absorbed. And I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you memorized a key passage of Scripture? Do that this week. Memorize Psalm 1 this week. I mean, memorize that. Meditate on that. You might say, well, Chris, memorizing Scripture is hard. No kidding. It is hard. So what? Life's hard. Get over it. Let's memorize the Bible. Let's memorize. Work on that this week. You know, this is what, what it means to meditate on the Word. It's going to, verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Now look at verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know what else we see in this psalm? I mean, not only in this psalm do we see this reality that there's a right and wrong way to live your life. Not only do we see God giving real daily guidance that's proven to work, but do you know what you see in this psalm that we need to hear today? Is that everyone will experience a coming judgment. Everyone's going to, there's a judgment coming. That our world is marching towards a destiny. Folks, there's a destiny to our world. And what, what if, what if it's our calling to usher in the second coming of Christ? What if, what if we're, we're the generation, we're the people that are to take a stand and, and point the world to Christ as he returns for a second time? Because let me tell you something. There's a second coming on the horizon. Now, I don't know when it is. But everything that I look at, everything that I see, it, it helps me. It's, it's obvious that the Word of God is coming to pass. I mean, just the fact that in times, Matthew 24 says there will be earthquakes in various places. And we have more earthquakes in Oklahoma now than California. Are you kidding me? I mean, I thought California was going to fall off the earth. It's going to fall in the middle, looks like, you know. Folks, there's a coming judgment. And, and when I look at this, I, 
This is why, as, as I look at this passage, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. You know, we've got to see that, that, that we, it's, it's wise to live today with the end in mind. And I'm amazed at how, how very few people live their life thinking about the end. I mean, you see this in people planning for retirement, people that they say, oh, they, they don't plan well for retirement, and you should. But, but, you know, more than just saving money as you're young and, and all through your life, I'm amazed at how many people live their life without any recognition or acknowledgement that one day they will stand before the Lord. This week I stood and preached right here the funeral of Linda Malone, great leader in our church, a lady that blessed me. And I got to say to her before she died, last Sunday night I went to her hospital bed and I said, Linda, I want you to know you bless me. You are a blessing to me as your, as your pastor. Thank you. And, and you know, she met Jesus face to face. She saw him. Her faith is now sight. As we sit here today, she's in heaven with the Lord. And folks, I'm telling you, when we get there, I guarantee you, when we walk through that door called death, whatever, when it's going to come in different ways at different times, but when that happens, I guarantee you, we will have longed to have served the Lord more faithfully. That we, we would have longed to follow the Lord more, more nearly. And we would have longed to love the Lord more dearly like that great poet had written, has written. So let's know that, that judgment is coming. And when I read this psalm, I think, golly, Lord, I want to live this. I want to live this out. I want to I not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. I, I want to I follow you. I want to live with the end in mind. I want to live with that reality that one day I will stand before you. And we see this. It says, no, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And, and it's amazing to me that we live in a world that will say to God, I will acknowledge God with my lips, but when it comes to their lifestyle, they live like he doesn't exist. And I'm not just talking about people outside the church. I'm talking about maybe some of us that walked in the door today. We acknowledge Christ with our lips, but we deny him with our lifestyle. And, and when I see this psalm, I'm compelled to say, God, I need to live this every day. I want you to notice verse 5 and 6, and then I'm going to wrap up here. But it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the, look at that word, righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, I'm compelled to, to get in the Word of God and to follow the Lord and listen to His Spirit and to recognize that His Spirit that lives, that, that, that rose Jesus from the grave does live in us. But when I'm honest about the details of my life and I see that word righteous, I'll be honest with you, I think, man, Lord, I can't do it. I can't be righteous. We've got to remember that when this psalm was written, this was in the day of the 
temple sacrifices that every person that read this this psalm in this day that it was written recognized that sin was devastating and what they would do is they would daily they would often go and kill animals and offer blood sacrifices it was brutal it was smelly it was messy but sin demanded it and and they were required to do this to atone for their sins because God's wrath was against sin And whether it was a sin they committed or a sin they omitted, they had to go deal with sacrifices, blood sacrifices. You see, we look at that and we we have seen the moment in history when the wrath of God has been satisfied. Why? Because Jesus, God himself, entered human history and he went to the cross for us. And that's why when I read this psalm, I think we are called, we got to be better ambassadors for Christ because we're in the middle of a world that is moving rapidly away from the Lord. And it's us that are called to say, God, look, look, world, you need to follow Jesus. You need to turn to the Lord. This is why we can't be silent. This is why we can't live inconsistently. This is why we have to know the word of God because you and I are called to take a stand as righteous people. Now, why are we righteous? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. Why? Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And see, I stand before you today and and we stand before a world righteous not because we are good but because Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay and he washed our sins See, righteousness is a gift that is received. Have you received that gift? Folks, I'm telling you, we're called to take a stand in a culture, and we've got to see that there is a right and a wrong way to live our lives. We've got to see that that God provides daily, daily guidance that's proven to work. And folks, we must not forget that everyone will experience a coming judgment. But have you received that gift? Last week, I was sitting with a guy, and um, I was talking to him about the gift of salvation, that salvation is a gift, that it's not something you can earn or deserve, and, and it's not something you can do to, 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 to get God to like you. It's not about religion. It's about a gift you receive. And, and I was trying to explain this to him, and I said, I pulled out my wallet, and I, I, I got a $5 bill out just like this, and I, and I walked up to him, and I said, okay, I wanna, do you believe I'll give this to you? Macy, do you believe I'd give this to you? That's what he said. He said, sure, I do believe it. No, do you believe it? No, no, Macy, do you believe that I would give this to you? Do you really? No, no, I'm serious. Do you really believe it? You don't believe I'd give it to you? Do you believe I'd give this to you? You don't? Chloe, come on. Do you believe I'd give it to you? Do you believe I'd give it to you? Huh? I mean, honestly, I'm your pastor. Come on, I don't I, 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 pastors aren't cheap. Come on, let's go. 
Seriously, any one of you, you believe I'd give it to you. You don't? He said yes. He thought, yeah, I guess he's, you believe it? You do? Seriously? Okay. There you go. It's yours. Yeah, good job, Chloe. Macy, come on. I'd give you five bucks. But, but that's, that's my point. I, I looked at him and I said, he, he, we had the same struggle. He was like, yeah, I do. I believe it. We're fighting about it. And I'm like, do you believe it? And he reached out and took it. I go, exactly, right there. There was a day in my life that I heard the Spirit of God. I said, Chris, here. There was a moment I received it. And Jesus changed me. And and you know what he did? He made me righteous. Don't read this psalm and think, I got to be righteous on my own. That's not where it begins. God makes us righteous. And then we are compelled to say, God, we will be mastered by you. We will allow you to master us. That's where we got to live. That's how we're going to see a world completely changed. If, you, if you've not received that gift, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you, here is a gift. Receive it. Receive it. If you are a believer and you've just not been living like you should, we can't read this without being burdened for a world that we live in. We must walk with the Lord. We must run to a culture that we just saw and say, wait a minute, there's a Savior. And here's who He is. We're going to have an invitation and we're going to worship through this song that we sang. And as we worship, I mean, even if you don't come down and pray, this is not the time to check out and just watch. No, this is a time to say, Lord, those that know, know him as Savior. As we sing this song, I want you to remember the same Jesus that rose, G, rose him from the dead lives in us. If you don't know what that's like, come and talk to one of our staff members. We'll take you outside this room and show you how you can receive that gift. Maybe you need to come and get on your knees and pray for your children, your grandchildren. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I'm going to live for you. God, I'm going to re-engage with your word. God, maybe you're, you, there's a commitment you need to make. Our altars are open.